Softest I've ever heard it. Well, you really. <laughs> I'm sorry. Affected my confidence. Oh, but I'm still going to do it. Also, this is the first time we, we have microphones. And you I don't want to belt it? Yeah, I'm scared <laughs> I would break them. Yeah. We're professionals now. We really are. Yeah. This is stepping it up I know, to another on, like, level. Stands. They're on a stand. We're sitting on couches. There's, you know what? There's no longer going to be the squeakiness of my old chairs. Oh, I, I miss having the conversation though about like, don't tap on the table. Oh yeah. We never, we don't have to say that. No, we don't have to give people pillows to hold. Amazing. And, uh, and now we, we record it from your apartment. Yes. <laughs> Which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> or as you would say, it's, it's partly your apartment I now. Know. I, I've I basically half moved in. <laughs> <sighs> One day we'll have it at mine again <laughs> when I live in a suitable space. Anywho, <laughs> but it's a total mm. different setup we, we've got right now. Yep. And um, the thing is that we've only got two microphones, basically yes. one for me and one for the guest. And I've brought this up multiple times with you to be like, what about you and what are we going to do? And you... I don't want to be on the episodes for the most part. Um, you, you know this. I turn into like a weirdo when I have to be on the mic and have to talk and ask questions. I'm getting better at it, but it's a slow progress. But hang on, I think... Can we reword what you said? Okay. I think you do want to be here for the podcast. And oh, be- yeah, no, I want to be here for the episodes. I just don't necessarily want to be an interviewee. Or interviewer. Interviewer. But as we've been discussing, we want it to become more of a conversation. And do you want to be a part of the conversation? You make a very good point. Yes. (laughs) See? We only have two plugs for the microphone. Well, we can, you know what, one day we're going to win the lottery or get a sponsor or just somehow make some money for the podcast and we can change it. Hey, if anybody wants to sponsor us. But anyway, so really more, that was, I feel like I finally got you to confess that if we, when we say it's a part of the conversation, you want to be a part of the conversation. But what we're figuring out right now is just Grace. Thank you. (laughs) Genius. Grace and I sit next to each other on the couch and she just grabs the mic, well, off me when she... When she needs it. Well, it's more or less, I just start speaking and then you give me a grumpy face and push the mic towards me because I forgot <laughs> to grab the microphone. Grab I know. Yep. So that's fun. Um, but how did you feel? Well, so who is this week's guest? It's Oh, I should stop interviewing you. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't an interview on me. Fine. That was a nice segue. Yeah. Uh, so we're up to episode 42 and it's Mallory Jones. Mallory. Uh, she was such or a... Or she would do... Essie! I know, she squeaks my name. We've been working with each other for two years and all I hear in the morning is... Squeak! <laughs> and then I... She doesn't have anything to say, by the way. That's just it. You're like, okay. Good it's chat. An opener. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't really have any prelude. Prelude the right word? I don't really have anything to like yeah. set up for this episode, except, you know, I loved it. She's such a wonderful little person, just like 
in and out and her story is very very sweet and also very relatable i mean i think for you and i we both had moments where talking to her that we related to personal experiences and things in our lives but in a very different way than the way that she tells her story yeah yeah that's what i love about this it doesn't even matter you know it's i don't know if that means that we're actually uh just so in our heads that we can always relate anyone's lives to our own lives or <laughs> if um, we can always find some yeah, way to uh, tie I know what you own. mean yes, <laughs> yes yes I've never had anything like that no. happen to me but I get it uh <laughs> true <laughs> but um I'm going off to Iceland for a week to go get my visa you're gonna push this episode live yes Woo-hoo! I'm just back from Italy and S took the reins on the last one. Yes, so now so I'm Grace tasked with stepping it. it up. Um, the one thing that we haven't said for a while is subscribe. Yes. Uh, follow to our us. podcast on iTunes. We're on Stitch, I think. We're on SoundCloud. ITunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn. And as every other podcast says, wherever else you can find a podcast. Yeah, but I'm not sure we are there. But I don't anyway, know. They always fine. say that. I'm I like, know. what are the other, the other places? Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> Do we not know? Um, We're not on Spotify because that's too cool for us. Yeah, we can't. One day. All right. <clears throat> Enjoy the show. Oh. Jimmy, Nancy. We love you. We love you. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. Cool. Bye, guys. Loving I could list them off in, I could, but I'm not gonna, but Good. I could. Like you're an MBA student, you're really funny, very smart, you played basketball, blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> but one day I was sitting at work and cause we love to talk about culture and diversity and race. And I mean, this is our subject matter of nearly every discussion, just casual discussion that we have at work. And I was chatting with one of the guys at work one day and he said, well, have you ever thought about it from Mal's situation? And I was like, Mal's situation? Like, what I, I, What do you mean? And he's like, well, she's half black, half white, she's gay, and she's from the South. She's like, that's, that's like a, there's many different facets to that that makes her quite unique. And with her own, um, I guess, like the way it was sort of said was like obstacles that may have arised or situations in that sort of way. But I'd never at all looked at it like that before. And I felt like going, okay, well that's like on a piece of paper. Sure. But if you talk to Mal, I don't know if that's the case. So it's funny, Grace and I were talking about the, how is a great, I was like practicing like how I wanted to open this show and Grace was like, yeah, but that's just because those like factors about her, that's not why we're having her on the show. I was like, no, we're having her on the show because it's Mal and this really interesting life. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but you don't want to word it that that's just exactly why we're... So now I've gotten really nervous about how I want to open the <laughs> show. <Stop>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that's how I'm going to do it. Okay, but I do think that like that context does 
um, I think for everything that we're going to discuss today, sort of give it some like uh, on paper, some sort of background. All right. So can we go back to even like, tell us about your mum and dad and how they met and how this sort of came about. So mom and dad met in a bar. <laughs> mom actually is four years older than my dad. So my dad uh. was, yeah, <laughs> she robbed the cradle. <laughs> um, my dad was a freshman, I believe, in college, played football at Pitt. Pitt? Um, yeah, Pittsburgh University. Oh, yeah, Pitt. Sorry. Um, and my mom at the time was finishing up school at Robert Morris. She was played volleyball, um, which is nearby. And my dad was there with a, at a bar, underage, of course, because football, um, <laughs> with a bunch of his teammates. And my mom was there with a friend of hers who spied my dad and thought he was cute. Um, <laughs> and if anybody knows my dad, they know he doesn't really like to be touched by strangers. Hmm. Um, it's just like, don't, if you don't know me, don't put your hands on me like you do kind of thing. And so this girl saw him, got close enough with my mom to like be standing next to him and then like pretty roughly like bumped into him. But she's about half his size, so she bumped, like, straight into his, like, lower back. <laughs> He's like, what? So he turned around with this, just, like, blank face and, like, looked down at the friend, like, what? And then looked up and saw my mom, and he just smiled. <laughs> and said hi. Um, and then 20, wow, no, 30, 32 years later, they're still married. So they met, like, what? Mid eighties, mm. <laughs> yeah, eighty. Yeah, that was well. They met. No, they met in the seventies, but didn't get married until the. Oh, the gotcha, 80s. gotcha. Yeah. So in and they're in Pittsburgh. Yeah, they were in Pittsburgh when they got married, or when they met, and then they bopped all over the place. My mom was like an independent, like businesswoman for a little while. Um, my dad was a football coach, so they went to JMU. He coached there, uh, which is in Virginia. Went to Tulane, which is um, yeah, Louisiana, Louisiana which is where New I was Orleans. Born. And then they came back up to Virginia when they wanted to raise my brother and I. Um, and that's also where my mom's family's from. So, like, my grandmother's there. Uh, my grandma and grandpa are there. Were there. Um, my uh, uncles, cousins. So have you asked them about, so your dad, African-American, your mm -hmm. mom's white mm -hmm. and it's like the seventies. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nope. Yep. Um, I, I only started asking those questions when I got older. Um, especially cause when I was a kid and I first started learning about slavery really fairly young, like third, fourth grade, um, and I was like, because of reading. school. No, well, it came up in subject matter lightly in school, and then I was like, wait a minute, just in my head personally. So I started reading all kinds of books, going to the library. My dad would take us to the library and like make us pick out some books over the summer to read. Um, pick up a light one around slavery. <laughs> well, I I did it. He was just like, pick up something that interests you, 
and I went and found some. And a lot of them were like first person diaries of mm. slaves. Um, my favorite book was always the one about Harriet Tubman, which I just saw they released a trailer for the movie uh, Harriet, which I think is going to be insane. So I'm so happy to go see it. But yeah, I, I wanted to learn about it um, from a very young age, but it wasn't until I got older that I realized how complicated that really must have been because my mother's side is like, they, they really didn't have any money um, when her, my, my grandmother was growing up. They had farms and stuff. Um, and where was that again? In Vir- Virginia and North Carolina. Yeah. Um, tobacco and farmers. And that's considered the South, right? Oh, yeah. Um, below Mason-Dixon Line in Pennsylvania is the South. And this part of Virginia. Like, doesn't some people, have the same weight to me as like when you say like Alabama. Well, that's just because how people think of that's like Northern I wa- Virginia. I grew up watching days. Sweet Home Alabama. But my, for all intents and purposes, it's the, the part of Virginia that I'm from is 30 minutes from West Virginia. It's it's the South. Yeah. Um, you, you go south of you. You go south of DC, and there's a church on every corner. Right. No, and, and not like a little church. No. It's like a big old church. If you're driving on 81, like. But that means that resembles the South. Like that's, a, a, yes. I guess, a stere- not a stereotype, a truth. It, no, it's it, a truth. Yeah, that would be a truth. Yeah. Grace I, and I are sharing a microphone. <laughs> and it's just classic. I'm like. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Comment from the audience. No. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway. She's not wrong, though. Like if I'm driving home on 81. As soon as I cross the state line, there is a massive um, crucifix huge, that's like, like 40 feet tall. Also, their church is like I've never seen Just before. Like, it oh, looks cool. like a Jesus. stadium. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that. But so to know that and to know that my mom's family is is white um, very traditional and conservative white, like all of my mother's side was Republican. Um, I mean, that means more today than it did then, but just like as a viewpoint, they are much a blank more conservative. Statement, yeah. um, uh, and Can I ask a quick, like, yeah. I feel like the word conservative, everyone has like three little things that like pop up in their mind when they hear, hear conservative. What do you sort of think when you say I really think of it as a a mindset more than what it means politically um these days like they're not set in your ways but much less open to grow with the times grow with the times like things that that are different from or other from from what you're used to um I mean I feel it every time I go home it's I'll be I went to lunch with my aunt the last time I was home who was white and my cousin who was white and my cousin is my cousin by blood my aunt not she's by marriage but nobody knows that and I know they're looking at this super gay looking girl <laughs> with her super straight white family well they don't know it's her family it's just like also just super to, straight white so the humans audience, and they're you, like is this the adopted daughter and you've got quite dark skin like cause, well, yeah because but you could have gone I guess you could be couldn't could be well you could be you, lighter yeah well my brother is naturally lighter than me oh is i he? just got more of my 
father's father. genes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, who's this kid? <laughs> and it's not there. Like, it's just natural. Everybody does it. They look at it and it's just like, this puzzle doesn't quite fit together the way, or I, I can't understand how it fits together. And they need that little bit of extra explanation. Like, and they usually go adopted immediately. Oh, they think or, you're gotcha. yeah, even see me with my Just mother. Just when they and see you I'm in adopted. your family, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, if you, I guess if you walk, yeah. Or my mom's, they actually think, especially when I was younger, my mom said that people used to think she was the nanny. She was like watching two black children. Oh, interesting. I mean, we don't, we didn't really look like her from the outside perspective. Yeah. So, uh, so, okay, but I'm going to go, but you're say you're out to lunch with your auntie and your cousin mm-hmm. and they're white conservatives. Mm-hmm. Well, Do- well, they, these two, my cousin, um, is actually, she's not, I mean, maybe they might be fairly conservative and just like, like it I doesn't said, matter. Like their yeah. mindset, whatever. But, uh, politically, they're both. Those two are both Democrat. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. But my uncle is a Republican who's yeah. married to her. That actually, that dynamic's very interesting. interesting. I bet <laughs> there must be some really interesting dynamics nowadays with what's going on. Oh yeah, with family homes. Uh-huh. We just don't talk about. It. Yeah, <laughs> is that sort of the case? Like when you go home, you just politics doesn't come up. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Unless we're with certain parts of the family, we just don't talk. Just about don't go there politics we can't so you started to look back at your mom's upbringing mm-hmm. and realize that this probably was a problem um that she, that was she married my father yeah um and when i started to ask about it got kgh answers but uh you as got, i got sorry, older you got- kg answers like kind of beating around the bush. But as I got older, uh, my mom eventually told me, like, my grandfather didn't go to the wedding and my uncle didn't go to the wedding, her brother. Uh, they were both very much opposed to it. Um, How'd that feel, finding that out? I, it just felt strange. Um, I mean, sad, especially for her. But to her credit, she told me that she was pretty much like, if you want to have, a, if you want to see me again, and if you want to have any kind of relationship with your grandchildren, you'll get the fuck over it, basically. <laughs> um, and they did. Uh, because when I was growing up, I never felt that from any of my family, like the other. And even my great-grandmother, who lived to be 96, um, she was alive when slavery was still a thing. Mm. So, like... For her, from her especially, if anything, I would have expected to feel something. But me and my brother, it felt like we were her favorite great-grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> and even the same, like, for my grandfather, like, especially when me and my brother really got into basketball, which was his passion, and we were very athletic children always, um, he was very passionate about coming to our games and, like, even after he had a stroke coming and sitting on the sidelines in his wheelchair, like driving all over the place to come watch, like never would have guessed that he had an issue. Um, did it feel, when father. you found that out, did it feel personal to you at all? 
It did in the sense that he had a problem with it because my father was black and I am black. And that's just a fact. Um, but on the other hand, I could also see as a granddaughter and credit him for it that I never felt that way and he never made me feel that way. So something must have happened that he was able to get past it because I do think people can change and grow. Yeah. And I, I don't hold people for things that they've done and said in the past if they can actually demonstrate that have they're evolved. able to evolve. Um, like my uncle, I know he didn't, he hated Obama. <laughs> he had like no, no Obama stickers on the back of his truck. Um, no Obama? No Obama stickers on the back of his truck. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that like a saying? No Obamas? No, no Obama. Like, just, just no. putting an N in front of Obama. Oh. So that was no Obama. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's what all the, like, I don't want to oh. say redneck because it's mean, but, like, rednecks okay. <laughs> on the back of their trucks. Um, and no he Obama. had several on the back of his truck. Um, he now, like... He, for whatever his political leanings are, like, he's never treated me differently than his, as his family. Yeah. Like, and even as, like, it became more and more apparent that I was gay. Yeah, how <laughs> that was like, there. the way I dress has changed so dramatically <laughs> from when I was in high school. Um, I went to a wedding recently for my cousin, and I was wearing, like... Suit and a, bow tie? Yeah, black, like, black and purple, like, tuxedo-ish type deal with... A nice shirt, bow tie, pants, shoes, and... Um, I saw a photo. You look good. Yeah, I did look hey. good. <laughs> Thank you. No, he saw me at that wedding and was like, oh, you look like a little CEO or something. Like, hey. He was talking, He was like, oh, Kate, you look like you just stopped off the the red carpet in Hollywood talking to my cousin. And then he was like, oh, Mallory, you look like you just stepped out of a boardroom. And I was like, okay. Okay. Uncle Philip, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you get points for that one. <laughs> you like look, look like a general white man. <laughs> <laughs> if I had turned it around, yes, that would have been what was said. <laughs> uh, so what about your dad, though? What about his family? I mean, I mean it's such a big thing to to yeah. be a... I mean, that's a... I can't talk. I just, I mean, <laughs> to be marriage a black is man complicated dating enough. Dating a white woman back then. And then go into a family that that obviously is not, some people are not, I mean. Accepting. Accepting. No, I, I mean, I've actually never really talked to him about that. Um, I guess, but knowing my father, I think part of him would be able to see it and understand it because he's not stupid and he's very aware of that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, but I think the other part of him is like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, but you have that. Yeah. I think I did get that from him and he definitely got that from his mother, my grandmother, who was like the most incredible woman ever. Just like iron will. And that's why I think, for them, having my mom come into the family was just like, well, Chuck loves her. 
We oh, were they her. a lot more accepting? Yeah. They were like, if Yogi, my dad, that's what they call my dad. What he do they like call him? Yogi. Like Yogi Bear? Like, yeah, because he looks like a little bear when he was younger. And that stuck with him. Cute. So it's like, Yogi loves her. Then we love her. Um, and they've, they were always, I mean, we never had any problems. They're just family. And I feel like for the most part, yeah, the Yules have some people that, I know some families in particular like feel some kind of way about not marrying somebody of color. Yeah. But um, but I think you could even link that to say some people feel the same way about wanting to, they're Jewish, they're wanting to marry a Jewish person. I think right. sometimes I'm like, I think I, not just, I don't want to simplify it, but I just like sometimes I'm like, it would be much easier if I married an Australian. Right. Because then we could go, right. you know, my parents would be really happy because it would mean that I'm probably going to come home at some point. Right. I think it's more of like a, I think that's like the really simplified way of oh, saying no, I, it. I but made it, it very clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But even in the sense of like culturally, they're they're afraid they're going to like dilute or lose their culture. Yeah. By introducing people that aren't from it. Yeah. Yeah, I was not thinking of that angle at all. Yeah, and I think that's one hundred percent part of it. It's like they're very proud to be black, and in some people's minds marrying somebody who's white or not black is like you're you're doing it because you're ashamed or trying to dilute that side uh. of yourself to be more acceptable but that's just not the case um i don't think i think that's stupid i think if you love somebody you love somebody doesn't matter what they look like or who they are um and i think that's the as soon as my dad was like i choose her then that she became all. the family yeah and my my uh, that side is very very strong on family like my cousins um, it's like we all if any any of us ever needed anything we'd be there in a heartbeat and we we have a that sense on my mom's side we're just like accepting and loving of each other and sharing the same space but I'm not sure it, it I would say it's probably to the same extent that we are on my dad's side just because. They, they're just more personal about everything and taking the time to like see people um, and spend t- share space with them, spend mm-hmm. time with them, share recipes, um, cook together. Like, it's just a very different feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the town, so the town that you grew up in? Mm-hmm. Blacksburg. Um, was it majority like white people? What was the dynamic of the it was majority white however i will say that because virginia tech is there um Uh, the college yeah um there's only i think if if virginia tech wasn't there there'd probably only be like fifty thousand or less people but because virginia tech's there it's built up so much um and it actually has because virginia tech's a very big science technology engineering school um you get a lot of international communities. So like my middle school and high schools were actually pretty diverse. However, I was still probably only one of like 20 to 30 black kids in my whole middle school or high school and in elementary school, probably less. And it was big schools. Um, the high school was big schools, yeah. like graduating classes of a couple hundred. Um, yeah. So- 
yeah. What were you going to say? No, well, it wasn't until I got to, to high school where, uh, well, to boarding school as, as my second half of high school, where I was with mostly black, or at least spending most of my time with my teammates um, who Basketball. were mostly black. Yeah. And that was like, it was great, but it was just so new to me. And then when I got to St. John's, which is a majority minority school, that was also great, but like so new. It was like, what? I had no idea like of this like even world that I was missing. Like what? So <laughs> the, the easiest example of this is I inherited my mother's hair. So when people usually think of black hair, they think of like thicker, coarse, coarser. It's a little bit different treatment that you have to do to it. Like you can't wash it every day. You need to keep oil in it or else. It, and there's like the silk yeah. to sleep and, in. Right? And you wrap it after, like if you wash it, you put oil in it, wrap it to help set it and keep it soft. Mostly every um, night. Yeah. Basically every night. Um, yeah, it's exhausting. And, but I, I got some of my mom's hair. I don't want to say thank God, but my cousin would say, you, you bitch, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she she has more like traditionally black hair and she hates me for it but I'm like sorry <laughs> can't all get the good jeans <laughs> she's also half black half white by the way but she got uh, the but she got um her mother's side uh which my brother's my father's sister <laughs> and she's salty about it always <laughs> but anyway so because I got my mother's hair for the most part I didn't grow up having to deal with my hair the way most black women do. And when, so one instance, um, getting like a weave is very much a thing. Um, and I had never been around anybody who had had a weave before and like what the treatment and like care weave for it. Weave is um, like Where they literally hair? like sew it into your hair, like sew hair into, into your, your hair. hair as extensions yeah and one of my teammates or I mean several of them but one of my teammates in particular was just so extra about it and but I didn't even know what was going on with her at the time but so one time we were playing and we were in practice and she <laughs> I just looked over and she was like smacking her damn head it's like Clemmy what are you oh, just itchy what are you doing and she's like my head's itchy and it's like so fucking scratch it like what <laughs> she's like I can't I'm gonna rip the track out and I was like track what the fuck are you talking about I thought she lost her mind she's driving me crazy <laughs> I just had very little patience for her generally too. Right, so just... <laughs> that didn't help. But <laughs> she finally told me and I was like, holy shit. And to me, it wasn't just like that that part wasn't just about hair. And then I spent more time with them and it really just helped me realize there's so many parts of black culture that I just wasn't exposed to. And I think that was also why when I came up here and most of my teammates were from Newark and uh, Connecticut and like city, the city, like New Jersey. And I Around had, New York City. Yeah. Like New, like New Jersey, some in New York, some Connecticut, but like all very much right around New York and grew up in the city. And I think we only had one person who on the, on the team who wasn't black. But so I think that's part. They saw me. I did not act like one of them. Mm. And I very much 
felt that and they felt that. How'd that feel? I mean, terrible, of course. Uh, uh, especially when you're when you're a freshman, you're coming in and you just want to be part of the team. Yeah, except me. Yeah, actually. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to say it in a pitiful voice, but yeah. <laughs> that's how I would have been. <laughs> like me. I mean, that's how, that's how it feels. No, of course. And it's just natural and you're... Was it a bit of an idea? Like, did it... Did it make you sort of... I don't know if question's the right word, but like look back and be like, oh, I maybe, I thought I sort of was something and maybe I like, was it confusing? It was confusing just in that I was like, did I miss something? There's always a sense that I missed something about a part of myself because I look like some of them, but I don't act like some of them. Um. And in some instances, I obviously don't look like some of them because I'm much more light-skinned. I have my mother's hair. Um, but I'm labeled by the rest of the world as one of them. Right. Visually. Visually. Yeah. And yet I'm not. So it was very strange to find myself in, like, no man's land and not quite fitting in. I mean, there was a, a handful of teammates that we were, like, the same on the same page at least with goals for school and stuff and who accepted my quirky weirdness as you know like all the squeaks and the weird noises <laughs> but um there was only a few like over my, I would say there were probably three or four teammates over my entire time at St. John's that I actually really Can wanted to stay friends with after school and who I actually like clicked with while we were playing my other teammates, yeah, we got along fine on the court, but it was almost like a mutual understanding that we really wouldn't have been friends. We're different, yeah. If we weren't on the team together. Interesting. Yeah. So let's go back to the basketball mm -hmm. and how that sort of came into life. Because when we sort of were chatting about this before, it sounded like you being very good at basketball also helped with some... Yeah, I think... I think in particular, it's so strange. I think sports generally are something that everybody can set or prowess at sports is something that everybody can set their prejudices aside for. Mm, interesting. Um, like Alabama, almost entirely black team, couldn't be in a more racist part of the country. But the love but for that the team. the love for that team. Like if one of those players was walking around without their Alabama gear on, I mean, on the wrong part of town, I wouldn't feel comfortable. I, it's just like... What do you mean you wouldn't feel comfortable? I wouldn't feel, feel comfortable walking around on a, on a road in Alabama anywhere if I was, like, walking myself home. Right. I absolutely would not. In Especially what? not me as particularly being, like, very obviously, like, gay woman. I don't wear feminine right. clothing at all. I would not feel comfortable. Can I? I'm very, ig you know me. Yeah. Very yeah. ignorant in lots of Dive these in. areas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of, you know, one to not be. Mal, what? What's scary about that? What? 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 What scenarios are you imagining? What are you? Where's the fear? I would say the fear is 
genuinely there is a high potential that I could lose my life for no good reason and nobody would like know or care. And that would just happen because it happens all the time. And especially when I was younger and I was picking out these crazy books and reading about how, how terrible lynchings were. And that was all Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, like deep South. And, and, and you have entire towns like where people just know it happens and they don't care. Or like the police department are part of the KK, like part of the KKK. And they just don't care. What's the actual- I'm generalizing here. No, for I sure, know. But I like, know. But where I'm asking I, I'm saying knowing that that exists down there makes me feel and what's the at a base level unsafe. True definition of a lynching? Well, I don't know. What I mean, the what true are you when you're is, saying? But it. when I'm thinking of lynching, I'm thinking somebody dragging somebody off the road or the street, throwing them in the back of their truck with a hood over their head, driving them into the middle of nowhere, stringing them up by their neck, and stoning them to death, shooting them, literally hanging them until they die. Happens. It happened way too often, and like as a kid reading about that. That terrified me, obviously, that people could look at me and then feel that kind of animosity. And I would have nothing like they wouldn't care about meeting me. That's the thing. Like, there's nothing that I would be able to say for for anybody to not want to kill me. (laughs) And that that that's frightening. But there's another layer to this. That that also you're half white. Right. And they don't know that. And they wouldn't care. That would make it worse, honestly, in some places. That would make me an abomination. But, okay, so, but on on your side, in, in your mind also, though, is there some, oh, I'm really out of my depth here. No, so, But is there some part of you to be like, you know, that this is, ha- a, a white person's acting like this and I'm, I'm half a part of that race as well, which is just even, you know what I mean? Or am I just like digging? No, I mean, I, I don't know if that's true for me personally, just because I, I mean, I acknowledge and see race for what it is, but I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I let it make up as much as my identity is what other people do. And mm. I think that I had to because I, especially when I found myself in a situation where I don't belong anywhere, like I, I couldn't let something like that define me because then I, I'm kind of indefinable yeah. by their, anybody else's standards. So why should I give a fuck what anybody else's standards are? Yeah. Yeah. So you're good at basketball. <laughs> fascinated by all this um okay so basketball what's is basketball a big deal in your town um I would say just generally it's very small town so like high school sports whatever whatever's going on at Virginia Tech there's always a thing that's a big deal yeah 
I was in the paper a lot when I was younger just because there was only one other really good girl in the district, which happened to be, you don't know who J.J. Reddick is, but it's his little sister. Um, it was like when we were coming up, it was like me and her in the, in the town area, but also my friend Mariah uh, at Radford, who now plays overseas. Were you, did you always have the, were you always wanting to be, like, hopefully, did you want to become a WNBA player? I did. I definitely did when I first started playing. But as I got into high school, I was just very pragmatic about the whole thing. It's like I realized that there was not a lot of money in playing basketball for females. And there's still not unless you go play overseas. How's that feel? I mean, obviously not great. But now I can I'm older. I can especially see the business case to be I made know. from it. I it's know. like where whereas like the women's soccer is completely not the case they make they bring in more money for the federation than the men do and they outperform them consistently so yeah. you can't make the case no. for them not to be paid equally there but, but for, for the WNBA, basketball they can. don't they just don't draw in as many people there's generally not as much viewership but it's hard because i i really wanted it i um when i worked at sidley i really wanted to pitch that we would try and win the WNBA as mm-hmm. our client because, I mean, one, the the level of basketball is just incredible. Oh, yeah. Like unbelievable. And I just felt like somehow we were – I felt like it was a marketing problem. Mm-hmm. The, the, how can people not want to go to these games? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And then I looked into sort of this idea around pay and that most of the WNBA women make around a hundred grand and they support their family. And they, it's not that they necessarily just want to keep playing basketball all year round. So they go play in Europe. They have to, to just financially survive, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just crazy. And I would say a hundred grand, the top, the top contract in the WNBA right now is like one, one twenty one or something like that. That's like the max thousand. Um, what would be the top in NBA? I mean, 14, 15 million, depending yeah. on the, the team. Um, the, a bench warmer makes a quarter of a million dollars in the, in the NBA. But yeah. then let's bring up the business argument of this. Well, as well. the NBA, like, no one, there's they no, could sell out almost yeah. regularly, like, especially if the team's good, but even still, like, they, bring, they have all the deals with the networks so that bring it, brings in money, merchandise just because they have so many more viewers and interested parties, like generally it's, I mean, and I would say, well, the people that really appreciate the WNBA, I mean, whether it's just women watching, I actually understand and get and appreciate that the women's generally like day in, day out during the regular season play a very different style than than men's. the men yeah. just because like you don't get the crazy dunks like well that's this what is someone like told me really pure basketball, basketball played there the isn't like the entertainment factor necessarily right. that right. well depends how you want to look at that because depends if, how you want to look at it you will just get very good technically sound play like, play the way like team good team basketball is meant to be played yeah in the nba if you're watching during the regular season which i can't watch it and which is why Monty our co-worker 
can't stand me because he thinks I'm supposed to love basketball more than he does, and I actually really don't, <laughs> especially when it comes to the NBA. Um, but do you watch the WNBA? No, I don't really follow, watch. You don't watch, I don't really it. Yeah, watch any enough. professional. Like I've yeah. played twenty years. Adult yeah, you're like I don't need to sit down <laughs> and watch good. it. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for the NBA in particular, I can't watch a regular season game. It's like watching one on one, one v one basketball. Whoever decides to show up that night just tries to go off mm. and they just play too many games it, and any one of them don't really matter in particularly at any given time yeah. unless it's getting later in the season and somebody's trying to make the playoffs. It's interesting though that with tennis and the female like watching Serena or the female mm-hmm. as, is as viewed as the males but I feel like they we've set that up to be like that even the way that we showed that that, that it's normally the same tournament and one's played at one time and the other one's played at another time like it's it's set up also for success where I think also in that incident it might be a little bit apples and oranges because it's an individual sport and all the technically the technical capabilities of the women to the men are very similar yeah um, they might be able to, they might hit the lip ball a little bit slower on a serve, but you they can all do can't forehand that backhand. by watching as well. Right. No, yeah. I know. They can all do forehand, backhand, the drop shot. Like they can all do, they have a very, the same shared capabilities. Men's and versus women's, men's, you'll get the crazy alley oop dunks. You'll get the crazy, like all these crazy, crazy, crazy plays. And the women's, you just won't get it's that. It's just got to get that something. There are a handful That's of why I, that can dunk. I, I no, will but do you see how, that, like, why I think it's a marketing problem? Well, for sure. But who's going to invest the money if there's nobody that's going to be able to watch the games because there are no... And I mean, if you don't invest the money <laughs> in the marketing, then there's never going to... I know, I know. But I, it's just a really yeah. interesting case right. Anyway. <laughs> but your dad was your coach, right? He definitely coached me when I was in, like, rec league and helped me... After my first camp at Virginia Tech when I was five, even though I was supposed to be eight, they let me in because I was tall and good. <laughs> um, and I just learned really quickly. After that, he helped me in like rec leagues and stuff because he didn't trust anybody else to coach me properly. <laughs> but when I got older and obviously needed somebody with a little bit more I mean, he was a football player. He, right. He could appreciate basketball, and he was an athlete generally, and he could learn the fundamentals and be able to teach them to me. But beyond that, like, theories and plays and things like that, that just wasn't his wheelhouse. How intense did this get, Mal? Like, basketball? Yeah, for you. I mean, about as intense as it gets. And that happens – it had to happen so fast because you get recruited in high school and – by the time you're a sophomore in high school is when you start seeing coaches and coaches start seeing you. And unless you're getting in front of the right people in AAU, like 10th grade, 11th grade, or I mean, even younger, really freshman, sophomore year. And then by the time you're a junior, you're already like down selecting places where you want to go. And then first half of the senior year, you're going on your visits and then you announce where you're going to go, where you're going to commit. And were you pretty dedicated yourself or did you did you have some like tough love going on well, on the side? Definitely the tough love. Um, my dad asked me really early on. He's like, 
basically, you want to do this? He asked me, it's like, so do you just like this or do you love it? Do you want to do this? Do you want to play? And I've always seen basketball as like the road to college. So I was like, yeah, I want to play. I want to play against like a Tennessee. I want to play against a UConn. Um, I want to play against the best of the best. And then, so he held me to that. <laughs> Even when I didn't want him to, um, and I hated him for it, <laughs> he definitely. What held did me that to mean? That. What did, what, how did he hold you to it? I mean, so when I, I tore my ACL for the first time, I was 12. I was playing soccer. My soccer was my favorite sport. Um, but I knew, and he told me, he, after I tore my ACL, sat me down. I mean, I was 12 years old. I couldn't have the surgery until I was 13 because I was still growing. Um, so that was like a whole year of not doing anything and not working out. And during that time, I hit puberty like hard. So... I, my body changed completely. I went from being more like Grace, this height, but skinny and like wiry to <laughs> much, much. Just if you want a description of yourself, Grace. <laughs> You're wiry, <laughs> tall, and thin. <laughs> yeah, well, to this, which is clearly not that. <laughs> like much more thicker, full-bodied. But I was fucking 12, 13 years old. And this is middle school. Uh, who wants that? I gained I gained a lot of weight very quickly, and I was like completely different body wise in a way that I had never been. Um, and so, for dad, of course, when I come out of my surgery and I need to start working out again, um, and like getting in shape meant losing a lot of weight. And he's a football coach, so like, obviously not going to be the most delicate in terms of. I, of talking to me like so I got a coach a lot of times when I probably wanted a father um and I, I mean he was doing what was best for me I definitely don't hold it against him I mean part of me always probably be salty about it but like always watching what I was eating and like not letting or like saying something like do you really need that if I just wanted a snack and like stuff that made me hyper conscious of like my body and what I was putting in it. And like, did you get it? Did it, did it have any repercussions? Like, did you get a bit obsessive about it or anything? Or... No, I just resented him for yeah. it. <laughs> I was like, I get why you're doing this. And I did, I lost a lot of weight. I've gotten like probably the best playing shape. I'd been a while. And then when I got to Oak Hill and I started lifting every day, that just turned into muscle. Um, but, like, he had me... So I would work out normally, do a normal practice, and then my dad would take me to the weight room afterwards, and, like, we'd lift. So I'd have... I'd work out, like, two or three times a day. Every day. Like, every week. Um, for a while. Until I went to boarding school. And I started playing there. And then we lifted every day anyway, so it didn't matter, but... Uh, was that how your dad, you and your dad bonded more? Was it around that or around the sport, I guess? Yeah, I would say probably. Uh, I think we're just also similar in temperament and that can be good, but that can also be really yeah. bad. <laughs> um, 
And like, I think we're similar in some ways, but in others, like, not empathy, but like having the ability to sense when something's not the right thing to say. He just really doesn't Forget have it. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you being gay, when does that pop? pop when? How does that sort of come about? <laughs> Is that a weird way to put it? No, no. When does that come about? It's fine. <laughs> Um, is this the like birth or evolution? Thing? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no. the birth of a gay <laughs> nature or nature, yeah. <laughs> um, that was junior year. Well, so high school, there was somebody that I had a crush on, for sure. Um, nothing ever happened, but like. I, what was I thought I was like in love for sure. I, but then she moved away and I uh, went to boarding school. So like never saw each other, never going to see each other. I, my boarding school, I couldn't have my cell phone. I couldn't be on social media, like basically no chance for connection. So when I got to boarding school, I was like, well, I don't know if I'm gay. Like nothing happened. I've never had a boyfriend. And then, prom rolled around my senior year and this boy daniel he really daniel liked, he really liked me he was on the guys team he i mean he really liked me he was like six eight tall strong i was like all right i'll let you take me to prom also knowing that we're in the middle of a baptist boarding school in the middle of fucking nowhere there's a guy side of campus. There's a girl side of campus. Literally nothing could ever happen ever. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you knew most... that going in? Exactly. Yeah. And he was going to Oregon State. I was going to St. John's. Literally couldn't have gotten farther <laughs> apart from each other. So it's like, this goes wrong, which did. <laughs> I don't have to see him ever again. <laughs> also, so... it sounds like you slightly don't want anything to happen. So well, you're like, well, like... the odds are at camp. I was, yeah, I was kind of just like making sure that logistically if it didn't work out it didn't have to be awkward for like another good point forever yeah. i was never gonna see the boy that's again. why i really <laughs> like the thought of meeting someone on a trip like i'm going to iceland in a week by myself just to hang so out so you want like to meet that. a man <laughs> i'll meet a man then i can just say goodbye Bye. <laughs> I feel like for both of you, that should should have been your sign. <laughs> if you went into a prom date with the thought process of, well, I'm never going to see this guy again. There's no chance anything's going to happen. No touching, yeah. no feeling. I mean, we're going different places, yeah. leading nowhere. <laughs> There's your sign. <laughs> and for you, maybe you're not ready for a relationship. Okay, moving on. All righty. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't, when you said bye, I was like, wait. Where's she going to go with me with this one? And she went there. <laughs> she so went we'll there. just move on with that one. Um, no, yeah. So when he took me, like, we kissed at the end of the night. And I was like. <laughs> Wait, you just said kiss then. You're like. <gasps> no, literally. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Never again. I'm good. <laughs> so, but what made that situation interesting was that 
proms at the end of the year. So that meant like going into graduation, we were still together technically, <laughs> but that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, so at like the senior reception and stuff, my family came and he was there. Um, and he was from Senegal. So his family wasn't there. So he just hung out with us. But, um, <laughs> uh, did he introduce himself as well? Yeah, boyfriend? of course. And like, he's towering over my father. So loved that visual, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing but, your dad isn't a short guy. Well, you well, already he's, said he's, he's, he's six, two, I would say. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so he met my family and like walked away at this reception. And my aunt, my dad's sister turns to him and is like, so what do you think? And of course, great timing. First thing that comes out of my dad's mouth is, well, it wasn't a girl. Oh. Could have, well, no, well, it could have been a girl. So, and I was like, in my head, <laughs> <laughs> like little do you know, sir. But did he say but, that because he thinks you are gay though? I think he, some part of him might have been worried. And he was like, oh, relief. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh you idiot. <laughs> but <laughs> my aunt um, Isn't was, funny? she didn't miss a beat. I fucking love her. She's my favorite aunt to this day for this remark. She went right back at him. She was like, so what if it was? <laughs> and I was like, yes. yes. And dot, you see me? <laughs> <laughs> Because this conversation's going to happen soon. Uh, well, well, we never had a conversation. Oh. Me and my father. You've never had never a... Never talked about it. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to come back to that. But uh, uh, what was it... Growing up in the household, was there ever talk about how people's views on I guess gay people was there a part of that in your mind when you were like I think I'm gay and what the fuck is this gonna bring for me now um part of it yeah um but I think it also really helped that after I graduated I moved to New York City um after I graduated high school so I was like I'm eight hours away from my home 500 miles like I never go home except for a few days around the holidays just because basketball's... Like, I don't even go for Thanksgiving. I'm home for, like, three days at Christmas. I have to fly back on Christmas Day because we have tournaments that week. Like, I could basically be the version of myself that I wanted to be and not have to worry about my family even, like, really knowing, I guess. Or, like, having to have that conversation yet. Um, it wasn't until I got um, my first girlfriend that who wanted to come home and visit me that I told my mother. And she, I could tell, she was very much in the, in the mindset of, like, this is going to be another thing. It's like, not only are you black woman, you're gay too and it was like another layer that she was afraid was gonna impact my life negatively somehow I think um it just generally like as a family I think my family's always been very open and accepting of everyone 
but it's very different when somebody in your family or your child is gay. Um, so she, I think the first thing she asked me was if I had told my brother, which I had. And, and she was like, oh, so what did he say? And he's like, he literally texted me, you're my sister, you idiot. <laughs> like, duh. Like, I love you no matter what. And she was like, oh, I love my children. (laughs) (laughs) I raised a good son. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And then I I can't remember really how much we may have really talked about it. She didn't ask me if I was sure. She didn't ask me anything else. Oh, that's I told interesting. Her, that, yeah. I guess that must be something that happens sometimes. So my mother, I mean, you, you've you met me. You, I don't know how much. Have you, I met you? I, Sorry, I'm kidding. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I feel, I don't know if I've ever had this side of me come out, but there's certain things that I see as very black and white, particularly mm. when it comes to like who I am and like, like there's a right things and wrong things sometimes. Yes, I can accept shades of gray in certain areas, but in some others, it's just like, no, that was wrong or no, that was right. And my parents accepting me for who I am is a wrong, like you can either be in the wrong or you can be in the right. Uh, so, like- so, and my mom knows that I'm like, I, I don't know why I've just always been more independent by nature. And at this point in time, I'm living in New York. I don't, need their financial support. If they really had a problem with it, I probably would never forgive them. Just like, I might see them every once in a while, but I, we wouldn't have the same relationship. Um, because it's one of those things that I'm just like, you don't love me for who I am. You're my mother. Oh, okay. Bye. (laughs) Like, honestly. Um, and did you think there was a chance of that when you told her? I didn't, I didn't honestly think there was a chance of that with her, but that's why I told her. And you haven't told your dad. And that's why I haven't told my dad. And that's why she asked, she was like, do you want me? Or I think she asked, should I tell your dad? And I said, you better. (laughs) Because he just like, like I said before, he just, he, I don't think he would have been able to control his reaction in a way that would have let me yeah. see that he was okay with it. Or even if he was struggling with it, like he still loves me. Like I, I think I would have seen something in him that I didn't like yeah. and I would probably would never forgive him for it. And she knew that. Did you ask how he took it or did you? I did like much later and, and she was like, he's fine. Like, but we just have never talked about it. But maybe like six months ago, something like that. I was home and I, I mean, my hair's cut pretty short. You know that I, I have, I mean, people call it a man bun, but fuck, fuck everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> a woman bun. Um, I just have my hair shaved on the sides. And, um, so when I went home, it's nice to like have somebody to be able to trim the back, just make sure I'm not like completely fucking myself up because I cut my hair myself. (laughs) So get like shaped up every once in a while is nice. So when I was at home, I was like, Oh, actually I was going to go cut my hair. I was like, Oh, actually dad, could you cut the back? Like he has for my brother always. 
since he was younger. And he just gave me this look. And I was like, can I help you? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I'll come. And he did it. And then afterwards, he he said, you know why I did that, right? Like, essentially saying, like, that was his way of saying he accepts me, I think. And uh. I was like, oh, you think it's nice? And I was just like, in my head, like, do you want a fucking cookie? Yeah. <laughs> like, you did something that you do for my brother every other, every day. You don't even think about it. Why should I give you a pat on the back for doing something that you do for him? I'm very critical in that sense. Like, some would probably think, oh, that's sweet. Like, but I'm just like, to hit, for him to say that so yeah. that he, like, he needs the acknowledgement from me, I wasn't going to give it to him. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you, it's funny, I used to judge, um, totally used to judge when someone used to say, uh, I've never discussed that with my mum or mm -hmm. like a, or a really big thing happened and they're like, yeah, no, we just never talk about it. Mm -hmm. And my growing up my family, we just talked about everything, <laughs> everything, <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> probably not everything, but it felt like everything. And <laughs> So I didn't quite get it. Like, how could you not discuss that huge thing that happened or that person that passed away? Or, And now I completely get it because you're like, it's not necessarily because it's going to be uncomfortable or whatever, but sometimes I, I don't want to hear the answer. I don't want to hear what comes out of it because I, you can't go back yeah. from whatever mm -hmm. is being said. Like, hopefully, like you said about your uncle and grandfather, those that you can't, you, you know, support there's times where you if they evolve you can evolve with them and right. and not necessarily hold on to certain things but but it sometimes feels like a big risk though to even open that door yeah but Mal then what about are there certain things that sometimes you get worried like if you got married and like do, do you think there'll be things that come up in the future that are going to have to just have more conversations about or not necessarily I wouldn't feel weird about having a conversation like, oh, I'm getting married. Um, I don't think so. Not really. Um, I guess he can just come and it doesn't, I mean, it, yeah, you know. Like, like you're saying like give me away or um, something. I don't know. I wondered if, if it meant because it, I wondered if it was, it's so centered about around a moment so centered about that that you'd, feel like maybe it's time maybe this is when we need to have a bit more conversation around around this but I, who knows I've actually just been thinking generally it wasn't I mean it was easy for me to skirt the conversation with my father because I was in in my heart doing it for both of us to try to make sure that I wasn't gonna like say I hate you for the rest of my life in my head in the back of my head um <laughs> but I think it wasn't fair of me to have that conversation with my mom and not have at least some kind of conversation with my dad. I think me prematurely writing him off and to a certain extent in my head of having a negative reaction has already made me treat him like he's given me that reaction. Interesting. And he hasn't, um, which hasn't been fair. Like, I, I've been very critical of him in ways that I'm definitely not of my mom. 
not that she even gives me a reason to be critical. They're just very different people. Yeah. <laughs> but like unfairly so. Like I know I could I could get a bit mean sometimes. Like cuz we're just so similar and he's so stubborn about some things that just don't matter. And that's not something I can get on board with. Mm. And now that I'm older especially, I'm just like I don't let it go. It does sort of cuz my first reaction is if we step aside from your story for a second, I was like, as parents, isn't it your job? Like, wouldn't it be your job, dad, mom, to come and talk to, to me. me about something? And then as we get older, we realise they're human beings. Right. Things are hard. Right. As well. not, I'm not, that's why I'm trying to separate it from your situation. You know, but there's times where I'm like, how could my dad, or how could my mom, how come we're not talking about this thing? And, and I, you know, come on, they should step it up. Mm. And... Now I'm at an age where I could easily have kids and be like, I don't know, you know, there'll be times I probably won't step it up. Yeah. You know? Well, in this particular instance, because it's just such a loaded subject matter, I don't even know if I'd want them to be the ones that come talk to me. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, the, you take the fact that they want to initiate the conversation would feel selfish on their part. It's like, if I, this is my thing. And I want to talk to you about it. And me delving deeper into a person, a, a deeper part of myself, and you want me to let you into that part, it doesn't feel right if it's dictated on your terms and not mine. You know what's so interesting about this all, all this, though, is how we started with you talking about your dad and the way that he sort of even approached, like, the love of his mom and yeah. his family and stuff. I was like, I am who I am. I love who I love. And what's so great is that you're so owning that behavior right now, but in some ways it's it's actually the conflict between you both. I know. And he's he it's so in some beautiful way he's taught you that and, behavior. And, yeah, <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Um, and it's put that way. I mean, that's pretty fucking wild. But <laughs> um, no, I, that that wasn't lost on me really just because I, I don't know why recently I've particularly been thinking back about my grandmother um, just because she was just like a force of nature and she's influenced all of that side of our family. And I mean, Is it your dad's side? Yeah. Um, and knowing that that was his biggest influence growing up because she was basically a single mom um, and she raised four kids by herself. Um, knowing that that was his influence makes me understand and like appreciate like I know he's got it in there somewhere and I think the 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 terms have shifted slightly because it's a daughter and mm. it's not him so for him because I think he very much feels parental in the sense like the old traditional sense like I am shaping my child's life and I don't know if he feels responsibility to a certain extent I hope not I have no idea but but at the very least like this didn't turn out the way I thought is how I I feel like from him but it's ironic because really doesn't matter if it turned out the way he thought like he thought because 
it's my life. But right. he and he did the same thing. Like yeah, he did I don't the give, same thing. I don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. I'm gonna marry this one because I love her. I don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. I'm going to date whoever I want and love whoever I want because I love I women. so like, hope one day you get to have this conversation, conversation. with him. I need to do it. I do need to do it. It's I, I really have thought recently it's not fair. And the other thing for me is not chickening out from a face-to-face conversation because I've thought recently about writing a letter and I don't know if... Because I don't know if having a face-to-face conversation would be selfish on my part, honestly, just because I know my dad isn't like an overly emotional person and doesn't like to be put in emotional in situations. situations. Yeah, it's so like grace if he wants to have, preparation. Yeah, if he wants to have an emotional reaction, like writing a letter might be a better way to do it, so that it gives him space to react, and then we can talk about well, it. Well, also because you've said that you it you sort of alluded to a little bit earlier that you have these preconceived right and like ideas already of how he feels so you could be carrying that in the conversation when exactly yeah now yeah it's so interesting shut up (laughs) (laughs) all right i think we have we we're good yeah did you enjoy it i did yeah ew <laughs> That's what she does. She just walks past my desk all the time and goes, Is it? Is it? Yes. Is it? I'm like, What? It doesn't sound quite that spastic. Is he? There we go. Sorry, that's true. <laughs> that's true. No, thank you. Mel, thank you so much for coming on. I was a bit nervous. <laughs> because ignorance. But, like, like I told you before, I don't mind people asking these questions. Asking these questions are actually really fucking important. It's just as long as it's done from a place of like I want to understand yeah. and general it's, like learning and like love and that's just who you are, really. You're just a very inquisitive person to the point where you genuinely want to empathetically know somebody at their core. Yeah. And I feel that from you. So I don't care like you can ask me anything, but it's when somebody's just asking for their own yeah can I just say a big thank you though because I do I wasn't aware of this before but I also don't I am I don't want to also because I want to know something sometimes I turn to the person that is going through something and basically you know can you help me understand so then they have to go through the thing they're going through and then they also have to teach people about it like sometimes it's like that can be a lot so I I'm just sometimes finding the balance of of making sure that I'm doing it for the right intention and being aware of that it might not, the person might not want to talk about it. And also I can take my own responsibility and do my own research and own reading and that, that don't necessarily rely on other people to educate me on things. I can also educate myself. So that's where I'm just, I'm very, I want to be aware of that. And also I, but just knowing me, I learn the most with people and talking. So anyway, I really appreciate it and loved you coming on. Thank you, darling. Of course. <laughs> Essie's Hour of Love is produced by Essie Czar, Grace Taylor, and Nancy Pappas. With sound editing and theme music by Jimmy Lindholm. Always a special thanks to our guests who are willing to share their intimate stories.